0: Welcome to the pilot episode of the Contrarian Marketing Podcast. This is a show where my co-host Eli Schwartz and I discuss opposing opinions of current marketing topics to help you discover new ideas. Today, we're talking about why 2023 planning might be a waste of time. This episode of the Contrarian Marketing Podcast is sponsored by ClearScope. ClearScope is the leading SEO content intelligence platform that helps thousands of content teams from businesses like Adobe, Shopify, Condé Nast, NVIDIA, Deloitte, Intuit and HubSpot drive more search traffic. Eli is using ClearScope I'm using ClearScope, so make sure to head over to clearscope.io and be on the lookout for a fantastic new content optimization feature that's currently in beta. And now, on to the show. All right, Eli, inaugural podcast. Uh, What better topic could there be? Then planning for 2023. So as a lot of teams and companies right now think about next year, what's the most important thing that a marketer should think about?
1: Yeah, it's funny. A couple of months ago, I would have said plan for changes in the search landscape. Change plan for I don't know, maybe a new search engine. None of this is going to matter right now. We're entering horrible economic times. We're entering a recession. Everything you do, traffic is going to be down. The demand is is down. And I, I think if if uh, marketers and SEO managers aren't thinking of this correctly, their managers are going to come to them and saying, what are you doing wrong? Our traffic is down. We're not getting any traffic. Your SEO is terrible. Your marketing is terrible. And they're going to get on this treadmill and start fixing stuff and and giving SEO solutions when there's no SEO solution to this problem. This is a macro problem. This is a global problem. This is an economic problem. So if you're planning for 2023, there's a whole lot of stuff you should be doing that are not SEO.
0: Wow, okay, this is pretty contrary in here. So let's break this down. So you're saying you should not think about you know how to create more pages, more content, or fix technical issues next year. You're saying because of the recession or the economic downturn, fewer people will search on Google for lots of topics, and so even if you rank really well for keywords, you might just see less traffic because there's less search demand. Is that kind of the gist?
1: Yeah, that's the unfortunate reality of like what's happening with the economy. You, you're set, you're filling a leaky bucket. You're going to be doing all this great SEO stuff and it's all, or marketing in general, this should apply to like all marketers. It's just leaking out the bottom because the, the economy is contracting. For those of us that were marketers, probably most people that are going to be listening and watching this in COVID, the same thing happened. We're you didn't get any traffic it's not that you didn't get any traffic because you suddenly lost rankings like there was a site i saw and i'm sure you've got good examples but said i saw they were in the ticketing space that you know event ticketing space their traffic basically went down 95 percent they had all their rankings if you wanted to go to a game or a concert you could search for them and they were they were there in the top three but no one searched there was the concerts didn't happen the games didn't happen and i, I we're not going to that reality but I, I'm afraid that we are entering some sort of contracted demand reality. So your solutions to this problem are not marketing solutions. They are macro solutions. They are communication solutions. They're building for the future solutions.
0: Yeah, it's a good one. Because I think n- another really interesting space is, is uh, travel or car rental, right? Which went through the exact same roller coaster show that you were just describing, where traffic broke in like 90% and more during the pandemic. And now... The opposite happens. You have this pendulum effect, where you have the you know the, the post COVID effect coming in. Basically, people have been at home for two years or more, and now they're really excited to to travel again and to to you know to to, to go out and to have fun. Uh, yet at the same time, an economic downturn, uh, inflation is at, at record high, and uh, people will start saving money. So there might be. Rough waters, uh, you know, in, in the future for most companies, and you already teased the, you know, some of the solutions. So why don't we just jump straight into some of the things that the companies and marketing teams can do right now, maybe even uh, to prepare for next year.
1: So. I don't know that we can necessarily prepare. And I don't know that it's necessarily on the company to prepare for the second or where we have expertise to tell the company what to do, because the reality is that things are going to be different. However, speaking to marketers and speaking to the people that are going to be getting asked this question of what did you break? Why is our traffic down? Why are our conversions down? I think there's a lot that those people can do. The biggest one, and you tell me what you think about this. Is communication start communicating that the train is coming down the the tunnel if you don't then you're going to be you know in this situation maybe in january maybe in february where suddenly everything's down and like you said i I think things are being masked right now because we're in the holiday season everyone's buying they're still traveling they're i mean certainly a little bit less but at january february time we're going to be in deep winter
0: that's a really good point, yeah. So so tr- search volume might even be mass right now because of the holidays uh, and because of um, the post-COVID effect. I totally agree with that. Uh, I also agree with communication. I think as an SEO, one of the most important things to keep in mind is expectations. And I've burned my finger uh, on this once or twice where I set expectations way too high and wasn't able to meet them. But if you set very low expectations and over-deliver, you generally set yourself up for success in a, in a, in a good corner. And the challenge is how do you bring that across right now? Because obviously, you know, like a lot of companies have had uh, layoffs because they have to um, lower costs. And so a a message like, oh, uh, I don't think we'll see a lot of growth next year is a hard sell. So do you have any, any, like, what are your thoughts on how to sell that
1: better or how to, how to do that well? This is a thing that I I think a lot of marketers could probably improve upon. Communication. So. You want to communicate internally to your executives. You want to communicate externally if if that's part of your job. But you need to communicate. I'd say the best marketers I know had some sort of job in sales. You know, they they know how to they know, to they know how to sell, how They know how to convince people of things offline, right? Verbally or you know, in an email and all that. This this is where I think marketers can improve for next year by just communicating that this is coming. And, you know, some things that might be interesting to communicate as a part of your data that this is a problem, could look at brand search. Like brand search is definitely going to be down because people are buying that thing less, right? So let's say you're United Airlines and I'm sure United Airlines has lots and lots of interesting non-brand traffic, but there are less searchers for United Airlines, whether those are paid or organic. I don't want to just focus on SEO here, but like there's less searchers for United Airlines, less people are traveling. The other thing you can look at is, of course, competitor search. So you'll look at whoever your competition is. If these are macro things that are impacting your traffic, it's impacting your competitors. And then the third thing is rankings. If this is the reality that you're getting crushed by the economy, your rankings actually won't go down. Like I, I gave you that example and love to hear your examples, Kevin, of course. But uh, with that travel with that uh, ticketing site, the rankings were all there. So if anybody's going to be seeing impacts on traffic, I think the one thing you want to communicate, and this is again for organic, you want to communicate we are still ranking where we're ranking, just no one's clicking. And if you're doing paid, you could say, "I have not adjusted my bids, I have not adjusted anything, no competitors come out there. Our impressions have dropped or from a if you're looking at again, direct traffic or referral traffic. It's just going to be down, but you're not going to have seen any sort of thing removed from it. You tell me, what have have you seen from these these kind of communication things?
0: No, you're absolutely on point there. So at G2, we actually lived through the opposite, right? So uh, G2 is a software marketplace. I ran uh, SEO and content there for a while. And in March and April 2020, we saw our traffic going through the roof. It was because, of course, the pandemic broke out. And all of a sudden, a lot of people were searching for, you know, uh, things like HIPAA compliant um, online uh, messaging or or, or a meeting tool. And simply because they were at home and they wanted to talk to their doctors or looking for tools like like Zoom and, and, and other things. And so our traffic increased by at least double, if not more, and our rankings stayed the same. So I think the the takeaway here is to focus on efficiency metrics. And if your input or if the things that you're doing are stable, but the output all of a sudden grows, then there's probably a macro trend at play here. Another example could be direct mail campaigns, right? Like if you send out direct mail and you send the same amount of of uh, of, of letters, right? But all of a sudden your response is so much greater or even so much lower, then you know there's probably a macro trend at play here. It's probably not because fewer people uh, got your your mail or your letter. It's probably because it doesn't resonate with them as much because they have to save more money. So I think looking for efficiency metrics is the way to go here. And to keep or hold teams accountable for efficiency metrics is probably also a decent idea, right? Uh, and, And one thing that I think is super important here is to increase your reactivity. So what I mean by that is, as a macro, as the macro landscape changes, one thing that's really important is just to increase the cadence at which you look at certain metrics. What I would do if I was in-house right now is I would set up an expectation that starting maybe even end of this year, every week, we're looking at the search volumes for our most important keywords, and we're just seeing what's what what differences we notice. Are we seeing any keywords or topics tanking? Are we seeing any of those increasing, right? I, I could even see. The world, say in e commerce, for example, where the modifier cheap all of a sudden becomes very, very important, right? So if people maybe maybe they search less for, you know, uh, women's sneakers or, or, you know, men's coats, but maybe they look for cheap women's sneakers and cheap men's coats, right? So I think I think that change in user behavior can be tracked and it's important to have a high cadence not wait a full month to understand that all of a sudden you should have focused on a different topic all along.
1: I love this. So we're, we're digging into the things that you can do to really broaden your footprint. So you're doing more things and you're, you're understanding more things and not just focusing on granular metrics. It's sort of contrarian because we're, we're talking about next year being about doing broader things rather than really digging into tactics, which there are probably many marketers are sitting around and planning their, their tactics for next year. And this is how things are going to change. These are the things we're going to do on video, for example. I think none of this is really going to matter. It's going to, it's going to be a, a difficult year. And you know, one thing I'd say that's interesting for any marketer in general is to never tie your goals to seasonality. We saw what happened in the first round of layoffs that happened this year with Peloton and uh, Netflix, where they thought some of those behaviors were permanent. Where, oh, no, no one's ever going to go to the gym. or or actually in the financial space where Robinhood. Trading volume is going to always be record highs and we need to have this huge team. And then they were sort of surprised by, oh, no, no, no. People only did that when they had lots of money. Or Peloton, people only did that when the gyms were closed. So as a marketer, hopefully you're being wise to seasonality and macro concepts and you're not going to set your goals on wow, we're, we're hitting these record highs. Let's say you're in the crypto space. If you're in the crypto space in 2020, wow, this thing is amazing. Look at all of my amazing work. Well, if you do that, you completely set yourself up for failure when the when the rug gets pulled out and like no one no one wants any of what you're selling. Tie yourself to general improvements on marketing and saying we're like you said we're being more efficient. I'm doing I'm sending out I'm creating more pages. I'm sending out more mail. I've lowered my CAC, those kinds of things are so much more important than, wow, there's just so much more top line volume that is just trickling through into conversions. And marketers always fall into this trap. And you know, for me, from an SEO standpoint, I think the biggest thing that marketers fall into and SEO marketers fall into is they start taking credit for rankings. If you send out a report to your boss or to your client and say, here's how many number one rankings we have, here's how many you know, top 10 rankings we have, that's great. But you've also set yourself up for failure when you lose them because you can't explain how you got them. And you certainly aren't going to be able to explain how you didn't get them and you lost them. And you don't have any plan for how you're going to get them back. Sometimes you get a penalty. But if you don't, you're screwed, right? Now you're on the hook for a while. You were patting yourself on the back when you got them to begin with. Certainly want to know why you don't have any more. And I, I think this is such an important point that we have to underscore here. Don't focus on those macro things because. They can help you, but they can also very, very much hurt you. And I, I think we're in agreement that next year going to be painful.
0: It's going to be painful, no, no doubt. Uh, I also want to highlight a, a really cool find, which is a Twitter thread by Patrick Campbell, who is the founder of ProfitWell, uh, in which he mentioned a couple of really cool things you can do to navigate the recession and, and navigate slowing demand. Two things that have really stood out to me is Uh, to reactivate customers. So it might be a a great time to go back into the churn box and see, hey, which customers did I lose? Is there a segment of customers that I should get in touch with again? Maybe, you know, offer them a certain deal or uh, uh, some incentive to come back as customers. The second one I really liked is to to push more customers into an annual subscription or an annual deal if you provide monthly and also incentivize them with a bigger discount, right? Recessions are often about Getting as much predictability as possible and, and and long-term predictability is really key here, even if it means a drop in revenue because your revenue is going to drop no matter what. Rather than losing clients, there might be a good opportunity here to make them a really lucrative offer that you wouldn't make otherwise just to keep them and to keep cash flows predictable, right? Like recessions are all about predictable cash flows even if your revenue growth slows down or is uh, is flat. So check out uh, Patrick's Twitter thread. Yeah, Eli, I think it's it's time for us to, to wrap this one up. So you know, let's
1: let's just summarize these things that you could do to solve this. So yep. we said we're going to talk about things that are widening your footprint, your footprint. We're going to be reactive and measure things that are actually growing so you you know that not everything is is falling and you're not just going along for the ride. You talked about this maximizing what you have with the channels and reactivating your customers. One thing we didn't really touch on is international. Maybe not the best time, but it does I think fall into like widening your footprint. If you're not doing so well in the U.S., maybe explain to Canada, and now you've got you know tens of millions of more potential customers. I I think it's important to say that we're not saying just give up on 2023 because the economy is not going to be great. There are things you can do, but probably the most important thing you have to do is communicate that it's going to be rough and therefore your initiatives are changing. So what do, you, what do you think? What do you think is the most important thing that we really have to call out that we do in 2023?
0: If I could, if I would summarize that in one take, it would be flat is the new growth, right? Like if, if yeah. in, my, in my mind, if you come out flat next year, you're probably doing a good job, especially, you know, compared to 2022 or even 2021. These were actually really good years for some companies. And so if you can keep your performance flat and come out net zero, that is actually a win. And my story is that this sounds cringe to a lot of people right now. But fast forward a year, a lot of people will be happy to come
1: out flat. I love that. I think we should make that our contrarian opinion of today. Let's uh, let's give one more recommendation. What do you think a personal OKR should be? And what maybe a company OKR or a team OKR should be for any marketer as they, they're thinking about 2023? And the thing that I always hated about planning and Q4 in general, <laughs> junior people who have no background in forecasting and finance and all that, they're being asked to predict what a year from now is going to look like. And they're doing it with the extra pain of like, hey, if you get it wrong, you're not gonna get your bonus next year. So it's, it is so unfair. Like, you know, when I had to work with my teams and, and tell them how to do this, and I'd be like, yeah, you have to put this goal down. You're gonna say exactly what you're going to do. You have no idea if like a hurricane's gonna hit the building, but if you don't hit your goal, it's your fault and there's no bonus, maybe we'll be nice to you and say, oh, the economy changed or something. But I think now's the time where you can communicate like we've been saying communicate that things will be different so what do you think a good personal okr is maybe a team okr or a company okr if you're in that opportunity to like set it now what do you think one is i think i think it should be about communication
0: this is this is an extraordinary okr that i usually probably wouldn't set for a team i think communication should be implied that should be should be standard but the the way to navigate choppy waters is to always know where you are and what's currently happening and so if you can set an okr Um, from a qualitative perspective that says something along the lines of like, we always know what's happening right now. And maybe from a quantitative perspective, it could be like a weekly meeting or a weekly report that goes out to the whole companies that summarizes key metrics that helps all the teams to to navigate and to pivot quickly. I think that is going to be key because as you already said, Eli, the the point, you will not be able to now see what's going to work next year and to know where you're going to land. But if you constantly get a pulse and a check on what's happening, that at least allows you to maneuver quickly and pivot fast. So in my mind, the, the, the personal OKR for everyone should be communication.
1: No, I, I think that's great. I, I mean, whenever I see OKRs, they're always like so focused on, on what the company wants. And the personal OKRs are, it's like the interview question of, what are you really bad at? And like that's a horrible time to be like, well, I steal pens and I take extra LaCroix from the fridge. Right, so yeah, everyone makes up something about like I'm a perfectionist, and I answer my emails too quickly, and I, I ignore my family so I can answer emails. They make up stuff like that. But I think this is a good time to be like, oh, I'm gonna get better at communication. I'm gonna read more. I'm gonna learn. Like we we started with like get better at sales, like because you have to sell. You're selling your OKR. You, You know, you have to sell yourself when your CEO comes and says your marketing is terrible, and you need to be able to say my marketing isn't terrible. Your economy is terrible. Like that's a that's a sales thing. So I, I love that idea of like, if you're in a, a position to change your OKRs and put a little personal one in there that you're going to be better at communication to both help you and the company. That's great. So from a contrarian opinion, I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it on, on the contrarian opinion. So why don't you just restate that?
0: Yeah, for that is a new growth. Communicate um, a, a tight cadence of, of pulse checks. Aim to just keep what you have today by the end of next year, I think that expectation should be set. And everything else on top is bonus or gravy, right? If you come out a couple percent positive, net positive, year over year, that's actually fantastic. But like the, the key to win 2023 is to now set the right expectations. And again, you win this, you win next year now. You don't win it in, in June of next year when it's too late, and when you already see your numbers uh, down and, and you're, you already know you're not going to hit the numbers next year. So set those expectations now.
1: I think it's great. I think if you look at, at you know the way companies are in the stock market, they're always forecasting whether they're going to miss or hit their earnings long before those earnings come out because they don't want surprises. And when the surprises happen, that, of course, impacts the stock. So think of yourself as a stock. you know, Just say, the reality is in June of next year, I'm going to be flat or I may be a little bit negative. Less surprises, less of, oh, now, now we're very disappointed in your performance. If you can forecast that, maybe you get in trouble for it now, but again, if you can forecast it, you don't surprise anyone. All right. What about a contrarian recommendation? I know in a lot of marketing shows, they're always like, well, you know, here's a cool marketing tool to do your job. What's a cool thing that no one's thinking about, a contrarian thing no one's thinking about that they should check out this week?
0: Yeah, my, my uh, contrarian recommendation of the week is a book, uh, which is Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb. Uh, Big fan of of the author. The way to tie this all together is the following. So anti-fragile is all about, you know, being robust and not so sensitive against black swan events. Uh, So what that means in essence is by having options, you are less sensitive to a big event that might, you know, uh, that, that might blow you completely uh, out of the water that might disrupt you or, or even, you know, but might be a, a, a death blow to you. In my mind, what marketers should think about uh, and why marketers should read uh, Anti-Fragile is to really create an awareness for what are other options that we can create for us, right? Like what are other things in SEO that we could do if our main strategy fails or if our plan goes to waste? Uh, what are some other things that we can do in other marketing fields? So it's it's not just to have a plan B, it's maybe to also have a plan C, D, E, and F. So by creating optionality, you're less sensitive to single events that can harm you significantly. And the best book to teach that, in my mind, is, is Anti-Fragile.
1: No, no, I think that's great. I've been uh, listening to Black Swan. It's like a 16-hour audiobook, so it's taking me a long time to get through it. But it's just so full of, of genius things. Like one quote I remember from from the Black Swan is, I think it's it sucks to miss the train, but it doesn't if you weren't even planning on taking it. So... It hit, that was his take on like, when you look at other people's success, like you go on LinkedIn and you look at all these successful people and their VPs and they're, you know, getting their, their startups funded and you feel like you haven't done anything wrong, like done anything like great in your life. But meanwhile, you don't want that. So why do you feel bad? He's such a realist. And I, I love, you know, I love Black Swan. I love, you know, a little bit of anti-fragile. All right. What about a contrarian recommend, uh, prediction for 2023? You're not getting fired if you get this wrong. But what's your contrarian prediction? <laughs>
0: I hope so. Okay, so here's here's my contrarian prediction. I think that TikTok will be forced to be much more aggressive about entering e-commerce and search because the recession and Apple tracking transparency stuns its growth. So I'm saying that because we've already seen, so, so actually TikTok just announced that they're lowering their prediction for Q4 by $2 billion. $2 billion that's 20% yeah, of wow. revenue that they just lowered. It didn't admit that fully, but it's very likely that Apple tracking transparency is one of the reasons for that. It already uh, really harmed companies like Snapchat or or Meta. My prediction is to offset that problem, which is intensified by the recession. I think TikTok will go much, much more aggressively into e-commerce. I think they will actually allow creators to sell Products on the platform, so that there's no, so that don't have to, you know, track between uh, different platform. But it's it's, you know, the, the the discovery and the conversion happens on the same platform. And I think they're gonna um, enter search more aggressively because, as we can see by Google search, uh, search is an intent-driven, um, you know, advertising platform. So you don't need to track people's behavior to provide them the right ad. It's it's signaled by what they search for.
1: So that's my contrarian prediction. Eli, bring us home. What is yours? so i think joe biden is not going to run for re-election which means that we're now going to have a two-party election so both the democrats and the republicans are going to have candidates which means for marketers they're going to spend a crazy amount of money on this election and it might even pull us out of a recession so anybody that's paid attention from a marketing standpoint to the election that we just passed i got so much mail there's so many ads online All of that is basically stimulus for marketing. You need designers to design those campaign ads, to make those videos. You need agencies pouring money into Facebook and Google and everyone else's pockets on the ads, the TV ads, like all that. So if we have an intense presidential election on both sides of the aisle, I think that will have trickle-down impacts all across the entire economy and would actually be helpful. So that's my prediction. Joe Biden doesn't run for re-election and we have a crazy presidential election, which is, ends up being good for the economy.
0: I'm looking forward to it, Eli. I think that's a wrap here. Uh, good pilot episode uh, and a lot of contrarianism. But looking forward to our next one. Yes, same here. Uh, it's it's going to be, it's gonna be uh, contrary. <laughs> uh, either way, uh, good first one. Uh, I'll see you soon. And now it's your turn. Head over to contrarianmarketingpodcast.com and subscribe to the free weekly newsletter to get a summary of today's episode, key takeaways and community content. And while you're there, go to today's episode and leave your opinion in the comments. We'll feature the best thoughts in the newsletter and on the podcast. Also, if you like today's episode, please feel free to leave five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks so much for tuning in and here next week.